I'm Ruthie, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of date. We don't care if we live Holy smokes, the automation went straight to my show intro and not any other PSAs or other show promos or anything. I was I thought I had another 30 seconds to think about today's show. But you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. It is Friday, December 29th, 2023. For today's show, I guess I have kind of like a recap of my week and some interviews, little clip interviews of people that I ran into around town and a little bit about the people, the standout for Palestine, for a ceasefire in Palestine at the roundabout today, sponsored by, organized by Jewish Voice for Peace. It's a regular Friday, um, Friday vigil. And I just have a little things, little things here and there. So the last time I did a show was a week ago, last Friday, December 22nd. And sometimes I like to organize my mind chronologically. So I guess I'll just start with that. So after last Friday came Saturday. Saturday, there's a vigil, a peace vigil downtown, Northampton, in front of the courthouse, the old courthouse on the corner of King, Pleasant, Main, and, yeah, Main Streets. Every Saturday from 11 until 12, that's been going on for years and Years and years, I don't know, 30 years, I don't even know. So I stopped by that. Then it was time for a bike lab from 11.30 to 2.30. By the way, there will be bike lab again tomorrow, December 30th. Then after bike lab was ultimate frisbee at the skate park at Veterans Field from 3 until 5. And so, okay, so so Saturday evening after Ultimate Frisbee, we played until it got dark and we couldn't really see too much anymore. And so I was biking home in the dusk, dark, a little after five. I'm coming up Elm Street by Smith College and as I'm riding past Helen Hills Hills Chapel on the corner of Round Hill Road and Route 9, uh, I hear, I think the noise is probably what caught my attention first, which I mentioned that because I'm very opposed to people here putting things in their ears when they're biking or in general. So I think I heard, I looked, I saw over on the side of the, between the sidewalk and the road and that strip of green there near a tree, there was a body, a man who was kind of like crawling face down kind of along the ground and moaning or something. So I pulled off into the, um, I, I pulled off, got my bike out of the road. And at the same time, there was a woman and a man walking down the sidewalk. And they also sort of saw him and walked towards him. And so the guy was going to, I guess he sort of sat up by that point. And so the the woman was like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, hey, are you okay? And the man sat up. I was like, oh, it's, I'll call him Little Billy, someone that I've seen around town for many years, and he was quite intoxicated. And uh, the woman's like, are you okay? What, what, can I, anything I can do to help? And I was, so I, I sat down under the tree for a minute, and I thought the woman was 
uh, putting her hand in her purse to pull out her phone, maybe. And I, I said something like, are you thinking of calling 911? Um, and she said, well, maybe. And I said, uh, I probably w wouldn't do that. Let's just sort of see what, what the situation is because that might end up not being good for him. Uh, like, because then the police come, the ambulance come, maybe he goes to the ER at Cooley Dick and and then gets put out back out on the street quickly, or maybe he gets PC'd and goes into the police station, but maybe he doesn't need any of those. And and little Billy was saying, yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to get to my, my friend's house, or I'm just trying to get home. And I was like, so you have somewhere to go? You have a roof over your head? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, where do you live? And he was like, well, I have one foot. I was like, uh, Live 155 on Pleasant Street? And he's like, yeah, 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 I think so. <laughs> and and I was like, okay, uh, I guess in your state, anyway, you could walk there. Like if we walk there together, I could tell that he couldn't, he could barely even stand up. And he's like, no, I, I can't, I can't walk there. And I asked the woman, I was like, hey, do you have a car? Would you be comfortable driving him there? I'll go with you. And the woman said, uh, maybe it's a little ways away, like 10 minutes away. And the man with her, meanwhile, the man was kind of looking quite uncomfortable. And he says something like, does this, does this happen often? And the woman said, I, no, it's never happened to me before. And I said, uh, it kind of happens like all the time. <laughs> At least it's happened to me a lot. And they're like, really? And I said, yeah. Anyway, and then I think that the man was was kind of like ah, I don't I don't think I'm uncomfortable with this situation I don't I don't I don't I don't like this this idea and when I was saying oh yeah it Pleasant Street where the apartment building on Pleasant Street that's just like a mile away it's right downtown and the man was and he looked a little bit confused and that was when the woman said to me he just came here from Israel one week ago and I said oh wow everything must be really foreign to you must seem really foreign and so I was trying to talk with Ricky a little bit, I mean, Billy, sorry, Billy a little bit more and be like, so what if we call the cab? Asked the woman, you got a cell phone? What if we call the cab? Billy, would you be comfortable if a cab took you, took you home? And Billy's like, no, no, uh -uh. I don't want to do that. And I'm thinking his in his state of intoxication, I don't even think a cab would take him home because it might take a couple of us to put him in the cab anyway and then and then the man and the woman I'm talking with Billy some more and the man and the woman are like oh we're gonna go bye I was like okay that's cool that's cool I'll figure it out and so then they left and uh I'm sitting there trying to understand what Billy's saying and um and I said okay so you live at Unpleasant Street now if I call my friend, I can call my friend Paige, and uh, what if I get a hold of her and she can give you a ride there? You sure you got a place to stay? And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, oh, I should say, the man and the woman also gave gave Billy a bottle of water to drink, and Billy took it, and he was like, he kept trying to take off the cap, and the woman was like, there's no cap on it. It's already open. Just drink it. And he was like, take off the cap. And the woman's like, there's no cap on it. See? It's open. Just drink it. And Billy's like still trying to take off the, off the cap. Anyway, so 
I told Billy, I said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little further away on Smith College campus so I can get Wi-Fi and use my phone device, and I'll see if I can call my friend. Meanwhile, there was a campus police car with some blue lights on about a block away, sort of pointed towards us, and I was like, ooh, I'm sure Smith College campus police probably aren't too happy to have a very drunk person lying (laughs) under a tree by Helen Hills Chapel. Hopefully, I can find someone to give him a ride somewhere else, maybe to his place before they pounce on him. So I wandered around behind one of the Smith College campus buildings and got a Wi-Fi signal on my phone and used my Google Voice and and called Paige. <laughs> Paige was like, Paige was like, I was like, Paige, I know you don't drive after dark, and you don't drive downtown, but however, there's a really drunk guy who needs a ride somewhere. And uh, someone I've known for years. And Paige's like, uh, uh, let me think about it. Uh, I have to put my book down. I'll have to get dressed. I have to clean out the car. And I'm like, uh, I, can, I can see if I can find someone else. And, and Paige's like, no, 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 no. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. it just, I, just, I just had to get out of my bubble there for a minute. I'll be there. I'll be there. Just hang on. I'll be there soon. So... I go back and I, Billy's still there. The campus police is still where they are. And so I tell Billy, hey, my friend Paige is coming uh, and, and she can give you a ride down to Pleasant Street. So we sit there talking and I, for some reason, I we got to talking about sad things and I, I told him, hey, did you know Dwayne? You knew Dwayne. I'm sure I know you knew Dwayne. Did you know that Dwayne died in October? And Billy's like, oh, oh, really? And I and I say, yeah. And and Billy said, how is he? And I said, he's dead. And Billy and I said, have you ever have you lost anyone? Have you lost anyone recently that you're sad about? And he was like, yeah, I've lost lots of people. And then I started crying, and Billy's drunk there, crying a little bit. <laughs> Then Paige shows up, and so she stops her car, and Paige comes over to where we are, and one of us gets under each arm of Billy, and we lift him up, and we walk him over and plop him in the front seat of Paige's car, and I slither in behind. And so that then, you know, we get our seatbelts on, we turn around and go downtown, and Paige pulls up in front of 155 Pleasant Street, and Billy says, where are we? And Paige says, well, we're home. We're, th- we're at your place. And Billy says, I don't live here. <laughs> and I said, Billy, you told me you lived here. You had a place to stay. And Billy's like, uh, no, I, uh, where are we? I don't live here. So Paige and I said, we're going to pull you out of the car and sit you down the wall. Then you could think about it for a little bit. Because we were also parked in the bus, the bus pull off or the yeah, the bus stop, the bus stop. So we get Billy out and set him on the wall there, and then he's like, "No, I don't, I don't live here." And we're like, "Well, where do you live?" <laughs> and he says, "I, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know." And I and, and I said, uh, "Do you live in Florence?" Because he's like, "No, I live back the other way." I, lived, I said, "Do you live in Florence?" And he's like, "Uh, may, maybe." And we're like, uh, Maple Street, North Maple Street. 
Um, and, and, and Billy's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and Paige says, do you have an ID on you? Maybe an, you'll have an ID with a address. And he said, no. And so then we ask him for his full name and he gives it to us. And, I'll, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe I can look online and find him. And, but really, the more practical thing was Paige stayed there. And then someone came out of 155 Pleasant Street to smoke a cigarette. And Paige is like, hey, do you know Billy? Does he live here? Do you know where he lives? And the guy says, he does not live here. Nope, he doesn't live here. But I know he lives on Franklin Street. But I don't know where. Let me call somebody. Maybe they'll know where he lives. So then the guy is sitting there on down the wall with this walker on his cell phone. And, and, uh, and then he tells us, 5 Franklin Street. He lives at 5 Franklin Street. Paige turns to Billy. Do you live at 5 Franklin Street? And Billy says, yeah. Yeah, that's where I live. And so we put him back in the car. And we head up back through town again. And I told Paige, well, you would have had to drive back this way anyway to give me a ride back to my bike, I guess. <laughs> and so I do have one little, oh, what do you call it, wiretapped clip from that. Baby. You're fine. No, no, I'm not baby. I'm, I'm a grandma. You're grandma? Well, sort of. Okay, here we go. Okay, come on, grandma. Let's go. I love you. Okay, see there? Next one. Present. Can we... Does it look familiar? Yeah. All right, so we make it to 5 Franklin Street, and I'm really hoping Billy can get into this building where he allegedly lives, because I don't really know what to... where else to... what else to do if he's out stuck outside on a cold December night. And sure enough, he... He gets out and he, oh, I forgot to say the guy at the one at 155 Pleasant Street on the walker had come over to Billy and given him a cigarette and said, Merry Christmas. Um, and Billy had put it in his mouth when he sat down in Paige's car. And I was like, Billy, you're not going to light that cigarette up in Paige's car. I said, if you light that cigarette up, I'm snatching it out of your mouth. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going to light it up. But then once we got out at, one, at 5 Franklin Street, uh, yes, we went back and he to the little smoking area behind the building and, and lights up a cigarette. We plop him down in a chair and he lights up a cigarette and we're like, okay, you don't have any keys to the building? He said, no. And fortunately, some other people came out to smoke and we're like, hey, does Billy live here? <laughs> and they're like, hey, Bill, yep, yep, he lives here. We'll, we'll take care of him. So fortunately, some other people in that building looked out for him. And uh, that building... That building is surrounded by asphalt. Apparently, a couple years ago, it got bought, I think, by a little, some kind of little board, nonprofit board, nonprofit, I guess, I don't know, formed by a Dr. Bossy, who does homeless health care outreach, and some other people. And it used to be an office building, but a couple years ago, I think, it became something like, like SRO kind of building, like kind of like a single room occupancy where people have their own bedrooms, but there's a shared uh, bathroom and shared kitchen on every floor. I guess some of the rooms have their own bathroom. When Paige and I were looking at the old asphalt cracking behind the building, we were talking to one of, uh, one of the other guys that lived there who helps or who doesn't live there, who helps take care of the place. And Paige was like, this asphalt, can you imagine if we tore all this stuff up and planted trees? 
And the guy was like, yeah, that'd be real nice. Anyway, deep paving. Next on Out There, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. Uh, next on Out There, that was Saturday. After Saturday came Sunday. Did anything happen on Sunday? Oh, well, Sunday, my housemates Alex and Sarah and I were trying to fix, do some work on our garage roof at the Flow Up, our housing cooperative, the Flow Up, in, on High Street in Florence. And our garage needs a new roof, the old shingles. They've started leaking through. We're going to put a metal roof on. But one of the vexing um, stumbling blocks for me in this project is the fascia. I think they call it the rake, which is kind of like the fascia that's at the uh, on a diagonal on the gable end. It's full of carpenter bee holes. The carpenter bees have lived there for years. They really like that place, that place to live. And so they have a lot of holes in it, and the woodpeckers come and also try to pick out the carpenter bee larva or whatever the woodpeckers like to eat. And so the question is, do we replace, do we tear out and replace these boards with this new roofing project, or do we just put the metal flashing over it? Now, carpenter bees, well... I've done a little bit of research on carpenter bees because I they're really great pollinators. And they're great pollinators for different reasons. Um, here, I'll, I was going to read. I'll read. Here's the, this is from some website. Eh, and the title is Annoying but Important. <laughs> you know carpenter bees the large yellow and black insects that bore holes in wood and can sometimes be seen patrolling their territories. These traits have given the carpenter bee a bad rap, which it does not deserve. Carpenter bees are amazing native pollinators and are an important part of the ecosystem for several main reasons. These bees pollinate flowers, feed birds, yeah, the woodpeckers, and increase the yield of certain plant species. The damage they do to buildings is annoying, but only just that. They excavate nests, commonly called galleries, along the direction of the wood grain, and they actually do surprisingly little structural damage this way. The value of these creatures far outweighs the damage that they could cause. Um, and carpenter bees are built tough. They're the largest bees in North America. And because of that, they're capable of some things that other bees just aren't built to do. Inclement weather that normally gets in the way of pollination can be overcome by sheer size. Rain showers and wind that would knock smaller insects out of the skies are shrugged off by these buzzing beasts. They're also able to perform admirably in cold weather. These traits let them pick up the slack in pollination during times when other insects simply can't risk it. Usually their size is enough to scare away most pests and predators. This has led to carpenter bees being very docile. The females will only sting under extreme circumstances, such as being stepped on. The males, which can be seen hovering in their territories around nest sites or flowers, will usually fly straight towards intruders at high speeds. While this can be intimidating, these males are in fact all talk and don't have stingers. Their large size also makes them easy pickings for hungry birds. 
Large bees, such as carpenter and bumblebees, are important food sources for birds, especially in spring, where they may be active before other insects. The buzz on buzz pollination. So carpenter bees have an ability to vibrate their flight muscles at specific frequencies while visiting flowers. Known as buzz pollination, this vibrates the flower and dislodges pollen. Tomatoes, blueberries, eggplants, and cranberries all benefit greatly from this type of pollination and produce larger fruit in greater quantities when buzz pollinated. Honeybees do not possess this ability. Carpenter bees are able to recognize one another and have been found to be able to make it back home after being moved up to seven miles away. They generally live in semi-social settings involving varying degrees of cooperation between each other. Now, yes. Now, here's a couple comments. Someone says, uh, I have carpenter bees nesting in my garage. I actually love them. The males are so curious and will fly over and investigate anything I'm doing near their territory. And they chase wasps away from my honeybee hives, which are nearby. I'm concerned about what damage they could cause the garage long term, though. But the only information I can seem to find on whether they are truly damaging or not is from exterminators, who of course say to get rid of them. Last year at their peak, I counted about 18 holes that appeared to be in use that go up under the wooden siding. What exactly are their boring habits? How damaging are they really to a structure? If they're not actually doing any harm to the garage, I'd certainly rather just let them live there. But if they're going to cause me a problem, I'd like to see if I can convince them to relocate. <laughs> um, and the answer is, yeah, carpenter bees, they're fascinating, they're unique in their nesting habits compared to other bees. They excavate nests, commonly called galleries, along the direction of the wood grain and do surprisingly little structural damage this way. And I've also read they usually use or choose softer, already damaged rotten wood. This was probably evolved so they could have many nests in a dead tree without compromising the structural integrity. They are very long-lived bees and are thought to spend the first few years of their lives entirely within the nest. From what I've seen and read, most of the structural damage associated with carpenter bee nests are from woodpeckers and other predators that try to chisel their way into the wood. Keep an eye out for this type of damage as this can lead to a weakening of your, weakening of your garage. I've heard of old barns and the like absolutely riddled with carpenter bee nests that are still strong enough to stay standing. Thank you for preferring to coexist with these important bees rather than exterminate them. Yes, carpenter bees, what will the flow op do about their garage? Stay tuned, the next edition of Out There Next Friday may reveal the answer because my friend Shira is coming tomorrow to help us put the new roof on the garage and Alex is going to be in Maine. <laughs> so maybe I can do as I will and leave the bees and have a new roof on by the time he gets back. <laughs> All right. Oh, that wasn't very consensus-like for a consensually owned housing cooperative, was it? All right. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I think it's time for a song, and how about Corrine Bailey Ray? So 
Now, part of what I like about that song is the music video. The music video is all girls and women riding on bicycles through the countryside. It's beautiful. Thanks for listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Out There airs Fridays from 4 until 5, followed by Democracy Now! up at 5 o'clock. Next on Out There, so before the song, I was talking about the carpenter bees in the garage and trying to figure out if how to coexist with these these creatures that are often dis- defined, described, thought of as pests. Well, that reminds me of the dream I had last night where I dreamed that I was standing in the arch of the garage and a vole ran through. And in real life, we have a lot of voles in the garden, the compost pile, and a lot of voles. And so this vole ran by in the garage and the ducks were also there the couple ducks that we have they were there asking for food in my dream and so when the vole ran by I thought well I guess I should probably kill it because there's so many of them and I they're not they're probably causing damage in the 
garden to the plants and stuff. And I was wearing some kind of big boots. So in my dream, I stomped on the bowl. And I thought I had killed it when I slid my boot over because it kind of looked like a squirrel looks when it gets run over in the street. But then I realized it had really just sort of peeled off that outer fur and everything. And inside, a smaller bowl ran out. And it ran past the ducks, and one of the ducks scooped it up in its bill and tried to eat it. And I was kind of cheering for the ducks. The ducks started to swallow it, but then it was too big for the ducks. So the duck threw it back out. This is my dream. So the duck threw it back out, and that baby vole tried to run back into the garage. And I grabbed it, and I threw it back out to the duck. But it ran back in the garage, and then I, I was like, well, I guess I'll kill it. So then I think I tried to stomp it, but I was having trouble. And then I just was having this moral quandary in my dream about like, am I supposed to kill this thing that's not really causing me harm? Should I just exterminate it because I'm being told to exterminate it? And in real life, I think I'm thinking about the carpenter bees. I'm thinking about what the Israeli government and army has said about Palestinians and how human beings, how we sometimes obey orders and just kill just because we're told we should. But then also how the complications in the natural world of animals eat each other. And that's how survival happens. Okay. After that dilemma, how about I talk about going through my week? Sunday was the last day I talked about. How about Monday? Monday was December 25th, Christmas Day. And on Monday, Alex and I took a hike in the Sawmill Hills and ran into some other people. So it's December 25th, 2023. Alex and I are walking in the Sawmill Hills on the trail off of Ryan Road. And we ran into Marissa and Jonah, Annie, and Caleb. Hi. What has your all's walk been like today? What have you seen out here today? Well, Caleb, we saw, do you want to see what you saw that impressed you? That was piles, big piles of big piles of rocks. We saw some big piles of rocks that looked a little bit like people. And, and one looked like a dinosaur. One looked like a dinosaur even. And we saw some wintergreen berries and they were the biggest wintergreen berries I've ever seen. I thought they kind of looked like globes or maybe like ornaments. Um, and, and did we taste them? Yeah. And how'd they taste? Mm. Yeah, I thought they were pretty sweet. Yeah, what else? Um, there's a cool string of feathers and fur flags on one of the trees, and we added some oak galls near a big sort of like outcrop that you can climb up. <laughs> cool. And you all did some letterboxing too? We did. We found Sojourner Truth. And now we're going <laughs> to climb down the rest of the way and have lunch. Sawmill Hill is a great place to take a hike in the conservation area. After that, or during that hike in the Sawmill Hills, Alex and I took, uh, we went to the famous, famous on out there, Mossy Rock, where Dwayne Rainey grew up and asked his ashes to be 
dumped had that I had visited on Thanksgiving Day, which was a month, one month after Dwayne died. Now this was two months after Dwayne died, and Alex and I visited that rock. Part of the little stick twig memorial I'd made for Dwayne was still there, and uh, on Thanksgiving Day I cried all all the time during my whole three hour walk, basically. And Christmas Day, eh, I guess I cried the day before Christmas, and maybe the day after Christmas some, but wow. Time. Time heals things. Blessed be time. Next on out there. So that was Monday. What happened Tuesday? I can't remember what happened Tuesday. Oh, there went my notes. They just took a trip underneath the desk. I'll have to go fishing for my notes. Wednesday, Thursday, yesterday. Yesterday was Thursday. I'll tell you something that happened Thursday. How about some pedal people recordings? The venue's set. Families coming in from all over. It's our quinceanera. With all the excitement, it may be easy to overlook COVID-19. So does the type of person you are determine the news you listen to? Or does the news you listen to determine the person that you are? There was just an ad for a car dealership. And it said, the wait is over. And I hear... It's overweight. Every car is overweight. We thought the problem was our puppy. But it was actually our old detergent. Uh-huh. So we switched to free and gentle. Well, I'm glad that my customers use some of that free and gentle stuff because there's usually dregs left in the bottom of the laundry jug, which is what I take home and use, which reminds me, I also have a big square metal extra virgin olive oil uh, metal can empty so-called empty but you know how they put the round spout in the corner but not exactly in the corner <laughs> that means I'm gonna get a corner out of that too the last one I got a corner out of I got actually uh, eight ounces not eight no I got a half a cup of olive oil left so you gotta take a can opener and cut the corner open with a can opener and then you drain it same thing with the laundry detergent. You know, they put that extra plastic spout at the top, which means you can't get it all out. I think it's intentionally designed that way to not get it all out. Because you know, if you take that plastic spout out, sometimes you might need a pair of pliers. It's still drip free. Because <laughs> the lid has that double drip thing too. At least that's my experience. As long as I'm talking about trash treasures, maybe I'll mention a few trash treasures for the day. Oh, yesterday I was doing downtown trash yesterday morning in the rain, and there was a whole bag full of glass bottles of beer and um, some other things. Too bad there was mostly Miller Lite or Miller something or other. I was hoping for a more local thing. I'm not really a beer drinker, but hey, if I have it around, I don't know. I might have some every now and then. I still got some of that THC honey that I dumpstered. <laughs> saving it for some time when I kind of need it, need it, whatever. What else did I find this week? I got a butternut squash, pumpkin, sweet potatoes, caramel corn, homemade lemon bars. Oh, I was biking up the rail trail yesterday uh, during my route and on the wall by the Jackson Street bridge ramp up to Jackson Street, there was a loaf of bread, which just sat there for a while, which I ignored in the rain. And there was a container of gingerbread cookies, like from Big Y or Stop and Shop. And even though it had been rained on, they were dry inside. And so eh, the package had been opened. It looked like someone had had maybe one. So I opened up the package. 
and had another one myself and went on my merry way. Uh, what else? Well, I think a lot about American consumerism and excesses. I have a friend who's on a cruise right now on Royal Caribbean. He went to Trinidad, apparently, according to the schedule he sent me. So I've been learning a little bit about cruise ships. Do you know that cruise ships can, ha can have like 5,000 people on board? Something like that? Anywhere between, I think the small ones have, well, I won't say small, but I think, I think that's a common number of people. It sounds like three to 5,000 people. It's like basically a skyscraper in the water. I, 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 yeah, you know, I hate being in motels and I don't like being in restaurants and all that. So a cruise ship kind of seems like, it's like a, looks like a, it's like a city that you kind of can't escape. That's how it seems to me. Well, hey. Do you know what lies at the bottom of the sea and quivers? A nervous wreck. <laughs> Next on out there. So also yesterday I was doing downtown trash. And one of the issues that pedal people suffers <laughs> when emptying the downtown trash barrels is illegal dumping um, when people dump residential or business trash in the barrels, it's especially frustrating when like a barrel is entirely full of one person's trash. There's one household in particular that keeps dumping in the Green Street barrel, and I, you know, I've found their name and addresses repeatedly over the last few months, and I'm thinking about paying them a visit. They live off of Ryan Road. I don't know how the trash got in there. The person whose name is on the trash very possibly likely has nothing to do with how their trash got there. Probably like her. Could be the cleaner or caretaker or the, or the, I don't know. But anyway, I got to pay her a visit. Let her know where her trash is ending up and request that it end up somewhere else. Well, actually, ultimately, it might all go to the same place, up to Seneca Meadows or incinerated and in the air I don't really know so there was an there's another business downtown that uh, often very regularly puts their business trash in the public trash barrel and so yesterday I usually when I empty the barrels the businesses aren't open and so if I see a business trash in there I'm like well I'll make a note to come back when this business is open and tell them not to do it but I was so late yesterday that it was the business that already opened so I went inside the business Okay, so it's a nail salon on King Street. And I go inside. There's a couple women in the chairs getting their nails done or with some kind of thing like that done. And the two women that were working on the other women's nails are like, hey, can I help? Can we help you? And I, you know, I didn't want to harangue them in front of their customers. So I was like, uh, can I? talk with someone <laughs> and so a woman a woman came out from the back and I and I, I told her hey I'm Ruthie from Pedal People and we empty the trash barrels the public trash barrels and I don't know if anyone from Pedal People or the city has talked to you yet but or before but the trash barrels are just for like little like cups and things like that they're not for business trash or residential trash so you need to f do something like arrange something different for your trash and she was like, oh, oh, okay, I'm sorry about that. 
And, uh, but I felt kind of bad because it was like, it seemed like probably one of the few women of color owned businesses in Northampton. Just assuming. I'm just assuming there. But anyway, trash. Everybody's got it. Next on out there. Oh, want to give a little shout out to Casey for feeding me. Yep, those Brussels sprouts and chicken and broccoli and rice and gravy. It's pretty good. Thanks to everybody that feeds me around town. You know, I really appreciate that. I actually went by the grocery store myself this week. I don't normally because, you know, I don't know. I just I find stuff <laughs> where it's given, it's gifted to me. But I went by a stop and shop. I go by a stop and shop because, or I would I go there because it's so conveniently located on the rail trail on my way home. And also, since so Dwayne would always go to Stop and Shop, and so it brings me fond memories of Dwayne to go shopping. <laughs> Funny to hear myself say that. But I, when I go there, it reminds me of how cheap food is. Sometimes people say food's expensive, but I find it's insanely cheap. I came out of there with a five-pound bag of brown rice, a pound of slippies, and three bananas, four onions, and a pomegranate off the discount shelf, all for like $8.50. Don't ask where it comes from. Obviously, I was not paying a fair price for that food because there's no way all that food could come from everywhere it does and uh, come to me so cheap. Uh, so next on Out There, time to go to another song and here's uh, Louis Armstrong. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do I watch them grow They learn much more Than I never knew And I think to myself What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful 
I like to say sometimes that nothing's perfect anywhere, but something's beautiful everywhere. Uh, next on out there, I'm going to talk a little bit about Israel, Palestine, that situation, and some local ties, and then play the clip from the Rotary standout today. So one of the things pedal people has been talking about internally, like a bunch of us pedal people have been talking about what we as a business can do to stop this genocide and speak out or take action and different ideas. Pedal people picks up compost for L3 Harris, big, the big military contractor in town. And so some pedal people are like, we shouldn't be having, we shouldn't be in relationship with them. And we should, we should like, not take that their dirty money and other pedal people feel like that's just kind of I don't know virtue signaling I guess is a common word people use these days other pedal people are like but that doesn't really address the the cause um the a lot of the money that pedal people gets from L3 Harris for picking up their compost we donate to the refugee resettlement project um uh, which uh, we decided as a collective or we accepted someone's recommendation as a collective to donate there. I think it's like a thousand dollars a year that, that we pass on to them. Uh, actually me personally, uh, I don't, I don't feel like great about sending it to that cause. Uh, I mean the rationalization of the, of other pedal people in sending it there was like, we want to give this money back to people who are being affected by U.S. military policy. Um, but another way that I think about it is, like my experience with the Refugee Resettlement Project is the goal seems like it's to make people who come here from horrible situations, it's to make them comfortable at home, make them good Americans, help them get jobs and drive cars and pay taxes, a chunk of which will go to pay for L3 Harris and all that. Uh, I'd kind of rather it go to some sort of anti-war organization, but not one led by liberal, progressive, middle-class white people like me. <laughs> um, and speaking of taxes and such, uh, the National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee puts out lots of good information about how to not pay war taxes, uh, federal income taxes. I recommend that if you choose that, that you give a similar portion to what you would owe to a cause you support and not a cause that you don't support. Uh, me personally, I have managed to not pay federal income taxes ever, I think, in my life because I've made sure to not earn enough to owe. Uh, I do pay state income taxes because I am not perfect and completely consistent <laughs> in my actions. Um, and I try to give to causes I support of my time and money. Anyway, National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee, they put out great information about where federal income tax money goes and also how the federal government charts are misleading because when they, when you look at the federal budget on their charts, they often uh, include things like Social Security and Medicare, which are separate funds. 
Um, and then they also sometimes don't include the money that we owe, which is like interest on the national debt, which a lot of that is caused by military uh, spending. And yeah, so if you look up National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee, you can find out lots of that good information. They have uh, booklets like uh, how like to file or not to file, booklets that can be downloaded for free on the website. They said that that their website visits, there's been like a 57% increase in visits to the web visits to the website like October compared to the previous month and in November there was a record visits to their website over 20,000 unique visitors next on out there uh, so in terms of actions around Israel Palestine the Sunday December 31st like every Sunday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the roundabout on the Northampton side of the Coolidge Bridge. There's a standout uh, Jews and Friends for Permanent Ceasefire organized by Jewish Voice for Peace, Western Mass, Bring Signs. That's where I was today, and I'll pay, play a clip from that. Also, December 31st, Sunday, day after tomorrow, Sunday night, uh, that is first night in Northampton, and at 11 p.m., there'll be a candlelight vigil for Palestine, organized by Western Mass Coalition for Palestine, meet outside Northampton Hotel, hmm, I mean, I think they mean Hotel Northampton, and bring a printed picture of a martyr. Candles will be provided if you want to organize and gather with Western Mass Surge ahead of time, you can fill out this form to join our group. Obviously, I started reading that sentence online before I read it, or else I wouldn't have said it. Okay, so I said I would play a little clip from today's standout, and here we are. So it's Friday, December 29th, 2023. I'm out uh, at the Rotary off of Damon Road, Route 9 in Northampton, where the Bridge over the Connecticut River. Here with Kathy. Kathy, what's your last name? If you want. McNally. And uh, this is a regular vigil for the ceasefire in, in Gaza. What motivates you to be out here? Well, Ruthie, I feel like what am I doing if I just stand by and and let this happen? So even though this is not the hugest thing, I think it's really helpful because people see all these people with signs. So I feel like. I have to do something or what the heck am I living on this planet for? Is there anything about this particular, um, I don't know, genocide in yeah. that, that you feel compelled to act about? Yeah, that I'm paying for it. And so is anybody else who, who was a citizen of the United States because we're giving our tax money to this horrible genocide. We're responsible for this and, and so, I, uh, that's personally why I'm involved. I, I pay attention to genocide all over the world. I know what happened to the Rohingya this week, the Rohingya, and uh, yeah, it's not that I'm ignoring others. It's just, this is personal because we're paying for it. Oh, 
Can you talk any more about what you see as the roots of this, this, this conflict or issue? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with religion. Um, I think it's totally that the Israeli government wants a land grab. They want land, they want people off the land, and they're using a wonderful, very motivational uh, excuse to do it by hooking it on religion. I think it has nothing to do with religion. It's real estate. Yeah, when I was coming here today, I was like, is Israel anti-Semitic? What about the Jews in Israel that are like protesting the top-down government? Yeah, right. There's, I mean, this, this protest is run by Jews. Jews are fantastic. It's not, it's not Jews. We love, of course, we love Jews. We, we just don't like Netanyahu and the government of Israel, who are the power structure. Hi, I'm Adele Paquin. And why are you right here today? Uh, I was feeling really overwhelmed and like I didn't know what to do. I was just at home and I realized I could come out here and be with community and just be another person protesting what's happening and be visible and that that's really important too. That's a really important thing. What kind of reactions have you gotten from passers-by? Um, a lot of people have been giving friendly honks. A lot of people have been giving friendly honks and waving and um, there was one person that yelled something negative at us and I yelled back, <laughs> which I shouldn't have done. It seems like people are encouraging us to be here, so that's cool. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to add something that Kathy said about it being a, about Israel being a land grab for Israel. Well, I would like to add that you know the United States is is very happy to have Israel. I won't say happy. Israel is an important strategic geopolitical outpost for the United States. We sure do love our oil. Why is our oil under their sand? Oil? Can we talk about oil? Oil. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. And in terms of like protesting the genocide against Palestine and Palestinians and like how can Americans like how do how do we how do we expect our government our military our arms cr- contractors to not arm Israel when we want to continue our oil dependent lifestyle and plastic-dependent lifestyle, and as a trash hauler, that's what I see that drives me a little bonkers. The Northampton High School students had a walkout, uh, I think it was maybe on the 19th of December, and at 3 o'clock, a bunch of students walked out of school. Uh, I had a sign, I took a sign that said, Math 101, the American way of life. Desire for stuff plus military power equals slaughter. Uh, and that walkout, I heard that the principal um, discouraged students from going, like maybe like at 1.30 in the afternoon of that day. The walkout was scheduled for 3, like around 1.30. I heard that he came on the loudspeaker and announced to all the students that if they walked out, they would be counted absent. And I'm not sure if that was like for the whole day, for that period class. I'm not really sure um, about that. 
but then also I heard that signs that were put up about it were taken down by the principal, um, and so, and then after the walkout, the principal, so yeah, so there was a gathering in front of the high school, and mostly students, and some, some principal school committee members, uh, when I, I, when I parked my trailer in Child's Park, I saw a police car there that was kind of keeping an eye on things, and then after the walkout, the principal sent a message that said, good afternoon, I want to fill you in on events at NHS today. This afternoon at three o'clock, there was a student-led walkout. This was not a school-sponsored event. We had police nearby to ensure the safety of our students and school community. We had a significant staff presence inside and outside to ensure safety and to support students as needed. To ensure safety in the building, we had all teachers keep students in their classrooms during the time of the walkout. This allowed us to manage the students not in class and to support continued learning in classrooms. We provided clinical support for students in need and will continue to offer support for any student who needs a trusted adult to talk to. There is a long tradition of peaceful protest in our country in Northampton and at NHS. Our goal has been to be clear with students what the expectations and consequences of their actions are in terms of following school rules and district policy, as well as in terms of the impact on others. When emotions run high, we often lose sight of how others will perceive our words or actions. Our educational mission includes helping students develop sophisticated understanding of issues, as well as to think deeply about what effective action is and how unintended consequences often have significant impacts. I hope that over the coming days, weeks, and years, we continue to build our strength as a community to talk about difficult issues, see multiple perspectives, and develop common goals. Thank you for your understanding and support. Bill Worley, Principal NHS. Um, a friend of mine who is from Jordan, I think her ancestors fled Palestine. Her daughter is a student at Northampton High School who went to the walkout but felt really discouraged from it and kind of afraid of going. Was pretty upset about that statement and kind of like, wait, he's talking all about safety? Safety? Like safety of who? Like what, what, is, what about the genocide? What about my daughter who's been harassed at Northampton High School and beaten up and things like that? I guess the time's running out. Thanks for listening to Out There Today. I'm your host, Ruthie. You can hear archived editions of Out There at weatherbeard.com slash out there. And see you next week. Or talk to ya. See you around town. <laughs> <laughs>